0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org.
1: Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 34, verses one through eight. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Psalm 34, verse one. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: One of the things I want to point out to you is that next week, next week when we gather at the beach for the picnic, we are actually having an adult baptism. And so Henry and I and Amanda thought it would be great to let everyone know if you have not been baptized and you want to be baptized, Come talk to one of us and uh, it'll be a great opportunity. We hope all of you will come and join us at the lake for the, um, the Vespa service, the baptism, and then the, uh, all that wonderful food that we will share together. But I want to turn our attention to Psalm 34. If you've been following the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, you may recognize these handsome men victorious gold medal winners. They're actually from the country of Fiji and it's the Fiji's rugby uh, team that defeated New Zealand in the gold medal round. And why I'm showing them to you it's because they've made not just the news that they won but their reaction after winning. The picture you're looking at on my left is a picture of them when they won the The 20, well, actually, no, at the 2016 Olympics, they got on their knees and prayed and then they stood and sang the national anthem. The picture that you're looking at is what happened this past week in Tokyo when they won it again. Gold medal winners, they got on their knees and they prayed to the Lord and then on the On the stand, as they received their their medal, they started singing their national anthem. And the words to the national anthem are pretty amazing. They said, we have overcome by the word of the Lord, we have overcome. And it gave me goosebumps watching them and listening to them sing their hearts out. And it was a wonderful moment, and it was a great reminder that whether we win in rugby or anything else for that matter, that the most certain thing in this world is what Christ has done for us and not what we will ever do. This reminds me of the words from Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything, everything, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Or even this verse, this verse, not to us. I, this is one of my favorite verses. Constantly reminding me as to who I am and who God is. Not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to your name. Be all the glory for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. And this theme of thanksgiving, this theme of gratitude and praise, and we didn't read all, but it resounds in Psalm 34. And I think this Psalm, if we read it carefully, it has the power to define us, to shape us, individually and even as a community. And so if this is your first Sunday here, I just want you to know that what we've been doing For the last several Sundays, we've been spending the summer in the Psalms and we've been reading. We've set ourselves the commitment to read through the entire Psalms, the book of Psalms before the summer is out. And someone said to me this morning, Pastor Ray, I'm up to number 50. And I said, look, 50 is better than zero. So as much as you want to read through the Psalms, that's really not the biggest goal. The biggest goal is to get us into the Psalms. And uh, my friend is doing that right now. So Psalm 34 is critical because it's going to define who we are individually and who we are as a community, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Now, we're not sure what happened in David's life, but here's what we can gather from reading verse 5. He was dealing with trouble in his life, something that we all know about. And this is why he says in verse 5, and if you have your Bibles open, you'll see the verse there, this is... Poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. And of course, the question is, what kind of trouble? And he doesn't really say. But whatever the nature of his distress, out of which God rescued him, he gives thanks to God, confident that God can do for others what God did for him. Now, let me remind you again why Thanksgiving is so important for us. Why it is so important is because worship and praise and Thanksgiving are not just things we do liturgically on a Sunday morning. Why do I say that? Is God only good on Sundays? Thank you. For believers, giving thanks to God is a daily activity. Second reason why we give thanks is because Thanksgiving is not a federal holiday. Can I say that again? Thanksgiving is not a federal holiday inaugurated by President Roosevelt or President Lincoln. Thanksgiving is a command from Almighty God to his people that we owe our existence. We owe all of our existence to God's benevolent care. But here's the third reason why we must be people of Thanksgiving. It's because thanksgiving reveals who we are and what we're made of. Are we top lofty, arrogant, haughty people filled with pride? Or are we people who are filled with humility and with gratitude? You see, thanksgiving to God is the exact opposite of pride and self-praise. And that's the reason why when David starts the psalm off, he starts it at an individual level. Notice that in verses 1 and 2. He begins with that personal statement. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble, let the afflicted hear and be glad. I love the way St. Augustine writes about this verse. He says, Where and when do you bless the Lord? Is it when he showers blessings on you? Is it when earthly goods are plentiful? Is it when you have a plethora of grain and oil and wine and gold and silver and livestock? Is it while your body remains healthy Is it when you are uninjured and free from disease? Is it while everything that is born on your estate is growing well and nothing is snatched away by untimely death? Is it while every kind of happiness floods your life and floods your home and you have all you want in profusion? And Augustine says, Is that the only time you bless the Lord? And he says, No. It is at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times, in the good times, in the not-so-good times. We will praise God's name. You see, praising God is never unseasonable. Praising God and blessing God and giving thanks to God are endless activities for those who believe. In fact, the New Testament is even more explicit. Listen to this. It says giving thanks in all circumstances. How are we doing with that? Giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God concerning us in Christ Jesus. If this approach to God sounds so pervasive, so all-consuming, you've got it right. That's exactly the idea. It's all the time. Think about the woman in Luke 7 when she heard that Jesus was having dinner at a certain Pharisee's house. She bought an expensive flask of perfume and she walked into this man's house and she got on her knees and she poured out that expensive ointment all over Jesus' body and the Pharisees were very upset and they said, you know, if only he knew that this woman was a not a good person, he would not allow her to even touch him. And Jesus knew what they were reacting to, and so he calms them and he says, listen, let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you why this woman is so over the top with her behavior. You see, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And those who are forgiven little, guess what? They love little. Those who are forgiven little, they have nothing to shout about. Those who are forgiven little, they don't bother with daily thanksgiving and worship of God. Those who are forgiven much, they go overboard and they love God. I remember as a little boy growing up in Jamaica, going to church with my mother. And you have to understand, it was a Pentecostal church. So these people sing and they, they don't whisper their songs. And I would sometimes look at them and see a grown man crying or see a grown woman crying. And I would say, Mama, why is that man crying? Why is that woman crying? And my mother would say, he's happy. And I thought, that's weird. You're happy and you're crying. But as I've gotten older and I've shed a few tears, I know what that feels like when your sins that are like a mountain have been washed away and wiped away and eviscerated, you are gonna break out with a happy dance. They're gonna give thanks to God. Here's the other flip side of this though. This psalm is not made. If you are here this morning and you've got it made, you've got it figured out, you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps, if you're here this morning and you are self-assured, and you don't really need anything, you just came to church today because somebody pressured you to come to church, then people like those kinds of people, they have no need to thank and praise God. And David said, look, this psalm is for this poor soul. That's what he calls himself, this poor man, this afflicted soul, this poor man, this poor woman. These kinds of people have no problem saying, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. So praise and thanksgiving to God. It has a personal component to it, but it also has a communal element to it. David continues and he says, Oh magnify the Lord, you hear this call to worship, Oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together, literally as one. Isn't it wonderful to read a verse like this at a time like this in our nation's history where for almost 18 months many of us couldn't do that together. We had to sort of watch on a screen. And as much as we were worshiping God, it's not the same as what David is saying here. Let us exalt his name together. It's so different when you're worshiping together. Charles Spurgeon, in one of his sermons, said this, that praising God in solitude is beautiful. And I was with a couple yesterday talking with them about church wonderful couple. They looked at me and said, well, you know, Pastor Ray, it's such a personal thing to me, and I, I really feel close to God when I am out in nature, and I don't doubt that. But I said, there is something about coming together. Spurgeon says, yes, it's beautiful, but it is far more beautiful when praising God is heard in communion with the praise of others. God's praises sound best in a concert. What are the reasons why David is so exuberant blessing the Lord at all times? He gives us all the reasons. If you look at verses 4 through 8, and I want you to imagine that we're at one of those churches where you can come up and give a testimony, and maybe it was David's turn and David comes up to the microphone, and he's sharing his story, his testimony of how God worked in his life in a difficult time. And imagine how encouraged we're going to be when we hear his testimony, which, by the way, that's a good reason. If, you, if God has done something good in your life, talk to one of us and say, you know, I want to share something with the church, because when you share God's work in your life, it blesses and it encourages us. So, David, you can imagine him standing up there, and he says, you know, I was going through a time in my life when I was terrorized by my fears. But he said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. He said, I felt like I was at the end. I didn't see the road ahead. I didn't see what I was going to do next. Everything was closing in on me, he said. But then I prayed. And he wrote here in the psalm, I look to him, look to him and be radiant so your faces will never be ashamed he said I was facing so many afflictions and I prayed to God in the midst of my pain and this is what he wrote he said this poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble he said I felt so alone I felt like the whole world had forgotten me I felt like everyone had turned their back on me And then I felt this presence with me. He says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and they deliver them. And to top it off, He gets excited. His voice is being raised. And he said, friends, God is good. And the congregation said, all the time. And David said, all the time. And the congregation said, God is good. And he said, I found this out not when I was at Disneyland. I found this out not when I got a promotion. I found this out when I was going through the darkest, hardest period of my life. God showed up. And I'm glad he said I trusted in him. And not in myself and then he says to us first prayers I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good taste and see that the Lord is good happy blessed joyful are those who take refuge in him brothers and sisters I want brothers and sisters I want to ask you a question this morning how is your appetite for God do you have an appetite for God David issued an invitation to his church and he says, you're all invited. Come on now, you're all invited. Come and taste and you will see that the Lord is good. I have here this orange that I'm going to consume later. But I want you to know that if I left this orange on the tree, if I left this orange at the supermarket and somebody says, taste and see, This orange is good I simply will not be able to taste this orange if it's in the supermarket or if I left it on the tree in order for me to taste and see that this orange is good I have to pick it I have to purchase it I have to bring it home I have to handle it I have to cut it open I have to taste it and I'll see that you know what this is good stuff and it's the same way with God You can't taste and see that God is good if you are an episodic worshiper. You cannot taste and see that the Lord is good if you're just kind of dipping your toe in there. This is an invitation to draw near. This is an invitation to come and bow down. This is an invitation to test me, God says, and see of faithful on your behalf. You see, the God we worship is a God who's near a God who is accessible, a God who hears. And Jesus, through his agency, has brought us near through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God is asking you that the reason why we aren't thanksgivers is because we haven't tasted, we haven't experienced that the Lord is good. What would happen if for the next 30 days, you were to resolve like, David, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. What would happen over the next 30 days if you resolved to begin your day and end your day with thanksgiving and worship? What would happen if you resolved to say, you know what, I'm going to walk by faith and obedience to God. Whatever I believe God's telling me to do, I'm going to do it, even if it might be costly. What would happen? What would happen if you were to feast on Holy Scripture? Not just on a Sunday morning when you happen to open the Bible, but I mean literally the way you go to the breakfast table and the lunch and the dinner table, you feast on God's Word. What would happen if each once a week, once a week you would set aside time for fasting and prayer? What would happen if you were to resolve that I'm going to do more giving and less taking? What would happen if you decided I'm going to speak the truth and stop lying to people around me? What would happen? Taste and see. Dive in. Give it a try and see what God will do in your life. Why am I so worked up about this? because of that passage that I shared for Iris. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. And you've been called to proclaim the praises of him. That's what we're called to do, to proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who we are. This is what God wants for us. And I want to encourage us here at First Prayers to keep being a a thankful, quick-to-acknowledge-God kind of church. That's what I want to encourage of us. Imagine if we as a people could just lower the noise on the gossiping. Imagine what would happen if we could just lower the noise on the complaining and the cup-half-empty way of thinking and begin to see God's abundance in our lives. Imagine what that would do for us to start each day with the fruit of praise upon our lips. Because you see, here's why that's important. And I'm telling you guys, try it. Taste and see. What you focus on, what you magnify, it gets bigger. It gets stronger in your mind. And if you focus on your fears, you're going to be terrorized. If you focus on your problems, you're going to be weighed down. If you focus on your conflicts and your troubles, they're just going to get bigger and stronger and bigger and bigger in your life. And you're going to be crushed. But imagine what happens when we focus on God. We taste of God. We focus on the greatness of God over every facet of our existence. Come on now. Not just on the big things, the little things. A cup of tea. Thank you, Jesus. You went to the supermarket and you got back home safely. Thank you, Lord. You woke up in the morning, thank you, Lord, over every existence of your life. You know what that begins to do for you and for us? It begins to forge an identity in us that gets its significance, not from our accomplishments, because that's how some of us get jazzed up. It's not going to do it, that's short lived. We get our identity, we get our sense of importance not from our accomplishments, not from our racial identity, not from our moral efforts, not from our family. When we focus on God, we know that he's with us. We know that we belong to him. And some of the healthiest people I know, some of the most joy-filled people that I know, resilient, courageous people, they're people of praise. Try it. Try it try it first prayers they're positive God is the strength of my life and my portion forever that's what these people say the foundation of my life my self worth I feel secure I feel free one of my favorite statements is nothing can happen to me today nothing good or bad that hasn't already passed through the hand of my Savior I still have problems, but they're not bigger than God. Can you say amen to that? Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, would you help us this morning? We've lost our appetite. Lord, would you help us this morning? we don't know where to turn anymore we've lost our focus Lord and we are looking to people and we're looking to government and we're looking to ourselves Lord may we be like David this morning I will bless the Lord at all times that your praise would continually be in our mouths thank you lord that you are committed to doing that because we are your chosen people in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and god's people say